1: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
0: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azzaro, the pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. 10. And today we continue in the series on the spirit-filled life as Pastor Sean talks about navigating the supernatural. You know, a casual reading of the Bible reveals a great deal of what we'd call supernatural activity, miracles of healing, and raising of the dead. So, is that for today? You pray for the supernatural. What are your expectations? You want to hear this message from Sean Azaro as he outlines a biblically balanced view that challenges us to believe and experience more. He's starting off in 1 Corinthians, keep it right here. It's time for radio, for real life.
1: 1 Corinthians 12, I want to begin with verse 7. I want to look at the nature of the Spirit's gifts. So as I read this, I want you to focus on the actual description of these gifts that he lists. We understand there's there's the uh, section Romans 12 that describes some gifts. There's Ephesians chapter 4 that describes some gifts. Um, But we want to look at this because I want you to see how Paul describes and what these gifts are like, the nature of the Spirit's gifts. Begin at verse 7, he says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, Another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And then he goes on, and he says, For just as the body is one, has many members, all the members of the body, though many are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were baptized into the body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. And then he enters into that pretty well-known conversation about the body of Christ and how how much we need one another. Because at times, gifts in the, the Corinthian church were becoming a point of division. And so he says, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. You need each other. That's the point. The gifts are supposed to draw you together. Hands can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. No, we need one another. So that's what he's talking about. But I want to take a moment and look at the actual description. He says things like the utterance of wisdom. He is not talking about human wisdom here. He's talking about something different. A wisdom that you can't have apart from the Spirit. The utterance of knowledge. That means knowing things you didn't have another way of knowing. Faith. And he's not talking about the faith that we all are given a measure of. He's talking about a unique gifting of faith. To another, gifts of healing. To another, working of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, various kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Look at the nature of the gifts. And what I want to say is if you will make a plain kind of unbiased reading of that, you have to acknowledge these gifts are supernatural. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Because when we start talking about things that are supernatural, it can be very uncomfortable to us. We live in a natural world. Our idea, our thought, is that we're comfortable with kind of the natural, the physical. The supernatural can become really scary. Because honestly, it's something we can't control. And that can get very, very Difficult for us. It's easy to misunderstand these gifts. It's easy to misapply. It's easy to see division. But I just want to say, just because of the, the fact that we're not comfortable, because you, you do know there's no passage in the Scripture, thou shalt be comfortable, right? It's not like Jesus said, come follow me, and it's going to be so comfortable. It's going to be awesome. Take up your recliner and follow me. No. He, he never said that, right? And so I just want to say that this, just because it makes us uncomfortable, we cannot ignore. The supernatural aspect of the Spirit. Because the Scripture is just full of these descriptions. I want to look at the beginning of where the church encountered the Spirit. Turn over to Acts chapter 2. Remember, Jesus said, go, wait in Jerusalem, and you will receive the Spirit. And with the Spirit, you will receive power. Well, I want to see, it was in the next chapter, they went, they did exactly what he said, and this is what happened. Acts 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound, like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Stop. Time out. Imagine being there. You're just sitting there, and you're praying. They were waiting. They were expecting, not sure what to expect. And all of a sudden this wind And and they didn't have anything to compare it to, all right? They didn't have Disneyland. They didn't have high tech. They didn't have, you know, surround sound. This was something that was, that it's natural. It's real. It's as though for us, if something began to happen, we'd look around and go, oh, I wonder what computer technology this is. This is kind of awesome. Hey, they pulled a good one this time. But then something would kind of, you'd realize, this is not, this is not tech. Yeah, there's something happening here, and it is, supernatural the wind the sound the movement the, the images that these tongues of fire and re- remember luke is writing he's trying to describe something divided tongues as of fire so he's just saying I, i'm not sure exactly what it was but this is what it looked like to me appeared and rested on them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance it's interesting. It was such a big deal that there were people around, obviously out on the street, around in the. Some people think they may have been in a, one of the parts of the temple when this actual outbreak happened, so that people, you know, are starting to go, "Holy God, what's going on?" And it says there's two responses. One was they marveled. You know, they were just awestruck. People marveled and you know, just like, "Holy God, what's going on?" Because they heard the gospel. There were people from from all over the world jews coming they had just finished passover and now it's pentecost and so they're there celebrating the festivals and so these people are hearing these galileans speaking the gospel in their languages foreign languages and it's like okay these people have no way of knowing our languages but we're hearing the gospel in our various different languages something's going on here and they marveled And of course there were other group who mocked and you know they're just like they've hit the sauce a little early haven't you You know, and that's exactly what the word says. Now, it didn't do the little pantomime for you that I gave you. You know, that's that little extra something you get here at River City. But it's what it said. It said they're drunk. And Peter got up, you remember, and preached. And he said, no, they're not drunk. It's, you know, it's mourning. He said, what you are seeing is what was promised by the prophet Joel. And remember, these are religious people. They're here for a religious observance. So they knew what he was talking about when he said in Joel chapter 2. Remember the prophecy? God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. I will pour out my spirit on all of you. He said, Peter's saying, this is what you're experiencing right now. This is what we're seeing. That's what happened to these people. And they're like, oh. So they knew what he was talking about. And then Peter goes on. And remember, he preaches. he talks about Jesus, talks about how they crucified Jesus, and talks about how he died for their sins, and he brings the message of the gospel. And Acts 2.37 says that they were to such a place, they were convicted, that they they got to that place and said, what should we do? We call that the Acts 2.37 question. Because people eventually come to that place where they ask, "What, what should we do? And Peter answered, with this very familiar passage, Acts two thirty-eight and 39, listen to what he said. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, for the promise is for you, for your children, and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls himself. What promise? The promise that said in Joel 2, I will pour out my spirit in all flesh. The promise of Acts chapter 2. What you're seeing here, what you're, what you're seeing here is Jesus fulfilling his promise to pour out his spirit. And who? It's for everyone. And it's not just for everyone here. This promise is for you. So all these people who are asking questions, even the mockers. He's saying, if you'll receive Jesus, if you'll receive his spirit, this is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. And others, those who aren't even here. And then he goes on one step further. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Now remember what started the conversation. They saw this manifestation. They heard this this expression of the Spirit. They heard these languages. This that you just saw, this that God promised, this is for every single believer whom God will call from now and all the way out as far as you want to go. And I I just want to say, um, if we're honest, The supernatural aspect of this can make us very uncomfortable. It really can. And I just want to say, if that's the case, good. There should be some sense of tension, because what we can't do is settle for some kind of distortion of what the gospel actually teaches. This gospel talks about supernatural manifestation. I just want to say, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you've had a supernatural infilling, you should expect a supernatural outpouring let me say that again if you've had a supernatural infilling which remember we talked about at the beginning one of the great failures of the church today is we fa- to fail to seek and surrender to the infilling of the Holy Spirit which is the very essence of our salvation Jesus paid the penalty on the cross to forgive our sins to remove the barrier between us and Father so that Father could come dwell in us and we could fellowship with Him the whole point was the relationship with Father which is carried out by His Spirit resident in us. If you've had a supernatural infilling, you should expect a supernatural outpouring. That's what the scripture teaches.
0: We want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called Navigating the Supernatural. It's in this series, The Spirit-Filled Life, as found on the sermons page at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
1: God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
0: And now back to the message, Navigating the Supernatural. This is Radio for Real Life.
1: Spirit-filled people are supposed to operate in the supernatural. And we get kind of uncomfortable we get fearful and we try to put god in a box and we try to put god in some sort of form that we can understand and kind of looks like us and i want to say that is one of the reasons that the world looks at the church and goes yeah that's irrelevant remember what paul said he he said the kingdom is not a matter of words and i've told you before we got lots of words lots of words he said it's not a matter of words it's a matter of power that's the power jesus said when the spirit comes on you you'll receive power well, I just want to say we've got a world looking at us and kind of rightly saying, yeah, I'm not sure I see the power. And I think if we're honest, we might ask the question, do I really see the power? See, if you had a supernatural infilling, you should expect a supernatural outpouring. Now let me use three questions to guide us through the rest of our conversation and kind of bring some things to light. The first question is, what do we really, be- what do we really believe about supernatural gifts? Because this is where the rubber meets the road. We kind of have to decide what we believe. This is a matter of theology. And the scripture used the phrase signs and wonders. says they were in awe because of signs and wonders. They were in awe because of things that happened. And, and we have to decide, um, do we really believe that those things, those gifts, those expressions are for today are they possible for today and it's a theology question. it's a belief question I want to say it's beyond even a question I dare say it's a controversy in the context of the Christian church and it's one that actually if you just open the scripture um, it's kind of obvious it's actually fairly plainly stated in John 14 verses 12-17 through 17, Jesus said truly truly I say to you whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He goes on, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Then I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So what Jesus gives us here is kind of the what and the how. The what is very simply, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. That freaks me out, Jesus. I'm sorry there. I'm just going to throw down the freaked out card. Seriously. I mean, if you're reading this and, and taking this seriously, Jesus, you walked in water. Jesus, you remember when you raised the dead? Yeah, that was awesome. there's something in this that makes me, I look at that passage because I so believe in the word of God and I so believe in the power of Jesus and I believe he said this. And I believe he intended it for us. And I know this is pretty far from what I'm experiencing right now. He gave me the what? Now here's the deal. Good news. Good news. Good news. Not only gave me the what, he gave me the how. It's by the Spirit. I'm going to go to the Father, and he'll give you another helper and be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He just kind of gave, that's, that's really good news, because what it means is it's not me doing the works of Jesus. It's his Spirit in me. Oh, good, because I can't I can't do that stuff. I just got to let you know. I mean, I don't want to disappoint you as your pastor, but yeah, I can't. But the Spirit can. And he never said, I had to alone. He said, I'm going to give you. He gave me the what, but then he gave me the how. I'm going to give you my Spirit. And when he says greater works than these, I, I, think, I think the idea is his Spirit, Jesus restricted himself to one place, right? Well, when he, the Spirit was poured out, he's no longer restricted to one place, He's like in all of us. And so you got all these kind of little followers of Jesus. What name can we call them? Oh, Christians. Yeah, that's a good name. All these Christ followers filled with his spirit, doing the kind of things he did, and, and all of it. His love, his grace, healing, his power, deliverance, the ministries that Jesus did to bring God's grace and love to the world. You've got these little followers of Jesus, Christians, empowered by the same Spirit. That's what he's talking about here. That's the what and the how. In Mark chapter 16, beginning of verse 15, we read, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Verse 16, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. In my name they will cast out demons. Demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And some of you I just lost right there. Jesus, I'm not doing the snakes. Okay, I'm not messing with the snakes. Okay, I'll pick up serpents with a stick, okay? <laughs> They'll pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, you, some of you are like, oh my gosh, that is so big. I, I can't even put, wrap my brain around that. And I have to tell you, There's a theological issue with this passage that kind of keeps getting brought up. In fact, if you're following along in your own copy of the Scriptures, there's probably a little note. There's a certain section, in some of the earliest manuscripts, the last number of verses of the book of Mark, they're not there. There's a space for them actually in the actual kind of papyrus manuscripts, the actual scrolls. There is a space for these verses. But in a couple of the earliest manuscripts, they're not there. A couple of the others, they are there. So it's like scholars are like, what does that mean? In all of the next generation of manuscripts, they are there. And so we're going back and studying these ancient manuscripts that we fundamentally believe are the Word of God, but but there's a piece missing. And so they're, they're like, well, did Mark write it or not? Did it get lost in this manuscript? Because that can happen with ancient documents. Did, did an editor come in and add this? And so they really weren't sure. But they've got these early manuscripts, the, the, some of them that do have this. And so when the process of canonization came, and they, they, under the Spirit's guidance and leadership, they canonized the Scripture. This passage was canonized. It was included in the canon of Scripture. And I want to say to you, it's a pretty simple reason why. One, it was in many of those early manuscripts, but two, it doesn't in any way vary from the consistent message of Scripture. In Matthew ten, eight, which nobody questions its presence in the scriptures, Jesus said, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, you receive without pay, give without pay. In other words, freely give, freely you receive, freely give. And the actual parts about the other manifestations all actually happened in the book of Acts. So it doesn't in any way change the message of Scripture, so those who compiled included it. Because this is the consistent message of the Scripture. Now, what's interesting is Jesus taught about it. Simon Peter taught about it. The Apostle Paul taught about it. And it's all over the Scriptures, and with these Scriptures... Talking about the supernatural, talking about the power of God, how can a serious Bible believer deny this? Because many do. I want to suggest there's just some bad teaching that tries to propose that the supernatural gifts ended at the end of the first century. And let me explain why. If you look at 1 Corinthians 13, I want you to head over there. Remember, the gifts are presented in 1 Corinthians 12. The spirit of the gifts is shared in 1 Corinthians 13, and then the administration of the gifts is in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul laid this out very systematically. In 1 Corinthians 13, he spends a lot of time talking about love, the preeminence of love. But then in verse 8, he says, love never ends. And listen where he goes from there. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. And he then explains, he says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. And then this is the verse, verse 10. He says, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. That's the verse. Oh, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Now, the verse that's kind of the linchpin there is verse 10. Because it says... Prophecies will pass away, tongues will cease, knowledge. We know in part, prophecy in part, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And some people have said, oh, when well, the perfect comes, they're talking about when the scripture was finished, the inspired letters were finished and brought together and canonized. That's when the perfect came, about the end of the first century, when the, the last of that scripture was written, now that all has ceased. And that's the line of thought. And A lot of people go, well, yeah, that makes sense, so we don't have to worry about this. Whew. I have to tell you, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. He goes on, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I gave up child's ways. For now we see in the mirror dimly. When's Paul talking about? When he's sitting there writing to them. But then we shall see face to face. When? When the perfect comes. It's the only thing he's talking about, right? We'll see face to face, no longer through a mirror dimly. Now I know in part. Then I'll know fully, even as I've been fully known. When? When the perfect comes. Now, nobody seriously says that, you know, that when the perfect comes, in, in, that now we, we no longer see through a mirror dimly. Nobody seriously says now we know fully even as we're fully known. I just want to say that's a really bad use of that passage of Scripture. And it doesn't say that the gifts are going to end when the Scripture is compiled. It does say when the perfect comes, when we know fully even as we're fully known, there will there'll be no need for them. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. There won't be any need for them see but it goes back to this well that's pretty easy this isn't rocket science why would some people want to discount the supernatural manifestations because i can't control that i can't control them and we have to admit we love control how many control freaks do i have in the room just raise your hand hey you are the most honest service okay by the way about 12 of you are honest the rest of you liars liars I've seen you. Just got to go look at an elementary school on the first day of school. Watch those moms, man. Just come on. Sorry, moms. It was just, you know, just start a school. It's right there. But come on, we love control. We want the plan. We want to know where it is. And, And when we start talking about the spirit taking control, leading, guiding, doing things that we can't do on our own, that is a scary, scary thought. And that's why it's such a huge step of faith. I just want to say the word says it. We should stop trying to explain it away. And here's what we do. We we try to bring God's word down to my experience. I I want to interpret God's word through the lens of my experience. Well, it says this, but I haven't experienced that, so it can't mean it, because I am certainly the perfect Christian. I mean, really, when you do that, you have to understand, that's what you're saying. My experience is perfect. I have got all things, and and so, therefore, this can't mean that because I haven't experienced it. Which, when we say it out loud, that's kind of ridiculous, right? But yet, that's what we do. And instead of, when we see that God's Word says something, instead of saying, oh my gosh, Lord, there's clearly more I've got to learn. There's more I've got to grow in. There's some things that I'm not yet there. The Apostle Paul himself said, not that I have arrived but i continue to press on i continue to press in now he actually did see god use him for the miraculous he actually did write scripture and he didn't try to explain it away by basing it on his experience i want to suggest we stop stop trying to explain away god's the the supernatural parts of God's word because we're not experiencing maybe we have some growth yet maybe there's some maturity maybe there's some things that God has for us yet that we haven't attained
0: thank you Pastor Sean Azaro you've been listening to Radio for Real Life and if you'd like to hear this full message called Navigating the Supernatural it's available right now on demand when you find the sermon series on The Spirit Filled Life at reallife.org But, of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5, Sunday mornings at 9.30, and again at 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.